In this week's member episode, we'll explore what the church says about or how it relates to other religions, and not just other Christian denominations, but Judaism, Islam, Buddhism. What does the church say about them? Are they entirely wrong? Are they ways to salvation? Are they dangerous? This is mostly important to talk about because this past week we had an episode, There's No Salvation Outside the Church, and we defended that claim. And we've said many times in other episodes that either one religion is true or all of them are false. Because you don't have any two religions or any two, even within Christianity, any two denominations that teach fundamentally the same thing and the essentials. The Catholic Church believes not only that belief in Christ, but also baptism, reception of the Eucharist, the other sacraments, all of these things were essential and taught by Christ, commanded by Christ, whereas other Christian denominations vary greatly on these same points. And of course, the church differs even more greatly when it comes to Islam, Buddhism, and Judaism, except in a different way. The first thing we want to affirm is that pretty much all religions have some kernel of truth. You know, even the worst errors are persuasive because they surround at least one seed of a truth or one part of a truth. You never want to make a general claim that everything a particular religion says is false, and that's not what we're doing here. They have varying degrees of truth. For example, uh, Judaism and Islam have in common with us something very important, that is, we call them Abrahamic religions, that they come from Abraham, that Abraham's two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, are those through whom we have the Islamic religion and Judaism, respectively, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the fathers of the Jewish people, the foundations of the covenant of God with his chosen people, and Ishmael was Abraham's son by the handmaid of his wife Sarah, that is Hagar, and he was not an heir to the promise. And from him came the people that would be the Arabs and later the Muslim people. So Judaism and Islam have a kinship with Christianity that other world religions don't. But even among those two, of course, Judaism holds a special place because we consider Judaism not to be a different religion in a sense, but the precursor or the preparation for the new covenant God made with his people, that there's a continuity between Judaism and Christianity. There ought to be a continuity between Judaism and Christianity, that Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. So Judaism is set apart when we're talking about other religions. It's set apart in a special place of honor. Judaism has in seed form everything that we believe. All of the prophecies, everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Law points to Christ. So in a way, the New Testament, the New Covenant, is contained in the Old insofar as it was prophesied and it was prepared for in the Old. And that the Old Covenant is fulfilled in the New. That is, it's not, Christ didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And we still, of course, pray that the Jewish people be given the grace to see the fulfillment of the law in Christ. And St. Paul even says that mass conversion of the Jewish people will happen, that God won't abandon his chosen people, of course, that before Christ comes again, there will be a large conversion of the Jewish people. And while it doesn't make a lot of news, that is happening in our day. There are a lot of Jewish converts to Christianity. And on the topic of Judaism, by the way, I'd highly recommend a book called Salvation is from the Jews by Roy Schumann. Uh, it's an excellent book covering the relationship between Judaism and Christianity, talking about the prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ. And it talks a lot about uh, individual stories of Jewish converts to Christianity. 
So when we talk about Judaism, we talk about a religion that is a true religion revealed by God. Their revelation is inspired and inerrant. It really comes from God. We hold the Old Testament in honor, just as we hold the New Testament in honor, that the Holy Spirit is the one author of both Testaments. So Judaism is different from anyone else that we're going to be talking about here. Even though Islam is an Abrahamic religion, that it has its root in a biblical figure, Abraham, and his son Ishmael, we do not consider the revelation of Islam, the Quran, to be real revelation. Again, the main reason for this is because we believe that God revealed himself in Christ, cannot reveal anything contradictory to that, that he revealed himself in Christ as true God and true man, whereas Islam rejects the divinity of Christ. Islam rejects the triune God, that God is one and there is no trinity in God. So God cannot reveal contradictory things. So holding to the Christian revelation, we say the Islamic revelation, that is the Quran, is not true revelation. And as hard as it is to say that in our day and age when we want to be accepting and affirming of everyone's truth, quote unquote, uh, we would say that no, the Quran is not inspired. It either was written merely by a man, Muhammad, or it was revealed by, let's just say, a being that is not God. So the harsh claim we have to make is that it's either the work of merely a man or that it is demonic, that it is the work of a spirit that is opposed to God. Now, of course, this doesn't mean anything about Muslim people. The church always calls us to respect others' religion, that we can't force anyone to accept the truth of Christ, even though we ought to preach the gospel and teach and try to convince. Just because we say something is not a true religion does not mean that we are condemning all the adherents of that religion or that they are evil or anything like that. What we're talking about in this episode is merely the claims of various religions and what the church says about those claims. And we would say the claims of Islam are false. The kernel of truth is the strong belief in one God. And presumably Allah would be identified with God as he revealed himself in the Old Testament. But in Islam, there is a simplicity that is detrimental to understanding God, that he is one, that there is no communion of persons in God, like we have in our doctrine of the Trinity revealed to us by God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there's an emphasis on God's will at the expense of the reason of God, that, for example, God could will something that we consider evil, and because God wills it, it would just be good, and we ought to do the will of God. Whereas as Christians, we would reject that, saying that God is goodness and truth, and he is the intelligent and wise creator, and that we can come to understand the things he reveals because he is not just pure will, but he is reason as well. He is truth. And of course, Islam rejects the divinity of Christ, rejects the incarnation, considers Jesus merely a prophet, which is completely incompatible with Christianity. And we have to reject that outright, that Jesus was not a mere prophet. He was God incarnate. And needless to say, they reject the sacraments, the visible church instituted by Christ, and pretty much everything else that we would hold. So would we say that Islam is a religion on equal footing with Christianity? Of course not. We would say it lacks the most essential teachings of the faith. The Trinity, the Incarnation, the sacraments, the visible church, the resurrection of Christ, all of that. So no, Islam is not a means to salvation in the sense that the church is. Remember we said there's no salvation outside the church and anyone that is possibly saved outside the visible confines of the church is still saved through the church because it is the body of Christ. So, of course, we pray for adherents of Islam that they be converted to Christianity. That is something we ought to pray for and hope for. Remember how important the missionary zeal of the church is and how we've lost that in recent decades. 
that the church from her very beginning is a missionary. So we ought to not let people rest in their ignorance and say that they're probably saved just as much as, you know, a faithful follower of Christ. We don't believe that. We believe that someone who rejects the fundamental truths revealed by God uh, are in danger of eternal loss. So Muslims are in a much more precarious position regarding salvation than Jews are because the Jews have all of the prophecies and preparation for Christ and are the chosen people of God. And so their reception of grace is, they're much more disposed to believing in Christ and coming to belief and truth in the new covenant than those who reject all of the things that we just listed. That being said, Muslims have a high regard for the Blessed Mother, uh, Mary. And so a lot of people have theorized that maybe Mary's intercession will be key in bringing uh, people of Islam to conversion. And they've pointed out various connections in recent Marian apparitions, connections between the places where they happened and Islam. And I don't have time to go into those here. Now, how about something like Hinduism, uh, a religion that has many adherents throughout the world? It goes without saying, of course, that what we said about Islam applies here as well, that it is not a valid means to salvation in the way that the church is. It does not teach truth revealed by God. It is pantheistic, meaning there's kind of an identity between God and the world, that God is not some personal God that transcends the world, but God is in the world in the sense that he's identified with it. In that sense can be considered uh, paganism, the worship of a false god. It doesn't have the connection to the one true God revealed in the Old Testament like Judaism and Islam have. It doesn't even claim to be a public revelation from God like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam do. Uh, it's more of an internal, mystical, esoteric experience as opposed to a public revelation. And there's a denial of the reality of the individual, so there's a denial of free will, therefore there's a denial of sin. Um, doesn't mean, of course, that they say sin is okay. There's just a denial that we even have freedom. And so that category of sin and salvation is missing entirely. So in a very brief summary, Hinduism doesn't even claim to be a means to salvation in the sense that we uh, talk about salvation. So of course it is wrong in many ways. Buddhism is similar um, in that it's a esoteric internal experience. There's not even any claim about God, so it's not a theistic religion at all. Not that there's a denial of God, but it's just not about the worship of God. It's more about uh, the acceptance of suffering and the mastering of the will and the desires. And that's a kernel of goodness there in Buddhism, that it teaches a mastery over the self. But of course, it denies the existence of the immortal soul, uh, just like Hinduism does. It denies reality of the individual, of course, denies salvation in the sense that we talk about it, in the relevant sense, that is, that we are actually redeemed and saved from our sin and go on to live in eternal happiness with God. So, of course, the Catholic Church rejects these as means of salvation, uh, not because, not only because they teach things that are not true, but also because they don't even claim to be means of salvation, of redemption from our sin and eternal salvation. So <clears throat> it's not any big insult to a Hindu or to a Buddhist to say that we don't believe that their religions redeem us from sin. They would say, yeah, of course, we don't even claim that. So we move from Judaism, which has a close kinship with Christianity because Christianity is its fulfillment and its continuation and perfection in a sense, to Islam, which shares a belief in the one God revealed in the Old Testament, and then to these other world religions that for some reason, many Christians nowadays accept as just as valid as Christianity. But after this quick review, hopefully it's obvious that they don't even claim to be 
true statements about God's revelation because they deny that God even revealed anything publicly. So we have to reject the idea that every way presented by every world religion is just as valid. We reject that outright, uh, 100% false. And the realization that the church holds this should spur us on to greater missionary effort. The reason we don't evangelize is because we hold the false claim that every religion is equal in God's eyes. Now, just before we end, a brief word on other Christian denominations, because this whole time we've been contrasting Christianity with other religions, but in reality what we mean is the Catholic faith contrasted with these other religions, because there is a serious problem that the church has with other Christian denominations as well. It's not just Christianity is opposed to other world religions, but the Catholic faith is opposed to other world religions and also other Christian denominations, not opposed to them in the sense that she hates them, but opposed to them in her teaching. So we already know that other Christian denominations don't teach the same thing about the sacraments, about the visible church. We went over all of that uh, in various episodes. But it's important to know that the church doesn't even claim that these are other churches. We're not allowed to use the word church about other Christian denominations, that other Christian denominations have broken from the unity of the church, not only in various doctrines of the faith, but also in apostolic succession. So they are not valid churches in the sense that they can trace themselves back to Christ and his apostles. We call them ecclesial communities. And it's an important distinction because the church is saying that there is one true church and that these other denominations do not have the same sanctifying power and the same true doctrine as the one true church. And so we ought not to call them other Christian churches because that entails confusion and division as if Christ had founded multiple churches. We say, no, he founded one church and those that break off are ecclesial communities, that is, communities of faith that share something in common with uh, with the Catholic faith, the Catholic Church, uh, much more, of course, than the other religions we went over, but still lack the, the criterion of the one true church founded by Christ. If we were to call them churches, then we would, in a sense, or implicitly be uh, saying that their sacraments or their denial of sacraments are as valid means of salvation as the ones actually instituted by Christ in his one visible church. And of course, to people that sounds really arrogant, but it comes from uh, a true desire to, and a true, and a belief, a strong belief that, hey, God came here and he told us certain things were necessary for salvation and we need to do those things and not other things. So. The church is missionary not because she thinks she's the best and has the holiest people, but because she earnestly believes what Christ said, that you have to go evangelize the whole world. And you do no one any good by saying that their false beliefs about what Christ revealed are just as valid and just conducive, just as conducive to salvation as the things that he really did institute for us and for our salvation and really did command us. So while to modern ears it sounds like something hateful and intolerant, it actually is born from love and a real desire for your neighbor's salvation. That you say, hey listen, you're in error about what you believe is necessary for salvation, so let me teach you what is necessary for salvation. That's what the church does. That's the church's stance, basically, with regard to other religions, to love and respect them. But because of that love and respect, to teach them and to evangelize them as much as we can because they are in error in various ways and to various degrees. So always pray for the conversion of those who are outside the church, those who are far from God, whether they be close to us in certain ways in various Christian denominations or in Judaism or believe in the one God as we do, like Jews and Muslims, or even if they are far from the truth revealed by God and don't even have a, a belief in one God, 
pray for their conversion as well and offer up sacrifices for them because that's what God called us to do. That's what Christ commanded us to do as he ascended into heaven to go and evangelize and to teach all nations everything that he commanded us.